Tim and Tom. So when you're a family and it's just the immediate family, what's Thanksgiving like? Well, <laughs> this Thanksgiving, uh, we talked last time about uh, going, doing some pond work, right? Burning the ponds and doing whatever we had to do on that end. We woke up early and said, uh, let's before we start cooking, because it was just going to be immediate family this year, let's just go do some more burning around the pond and, you know, cutting some trees. Well, we didn't have our four-wheeler because we had the water on the back, right, uh, of the four-wheeler, and we didn't have that because it's getting worked on. And so uh, we should have had that, and the fire was going a little bit further along than we'd like, so you're trying to put it out, uh, which you do basically with some rakes and stuff along the edge line, basically stop the line, right? Well, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to do with a spray of water than it is with a rake. And, uh, boy, it turned into quite the workout, Tom. I was laying in a pile of ash, uh, feeling like I was probably going to have a heart attack because I'm out there uh, working. What time was this? This was probably 9, 30, 10 in the morning. Uh, Ugh. And, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's kind of starting. It's not getting out of control, but it's just moving along just enough to where we can't get ahead of it. You know what I mean? You're going along mm-hmm. the line. And so I'm like, all right, just go get some buckets. We're going to go down the pond, get some water, and put this out, right? But it reached a hill and the wind was blowing into that hill and it already, it burns faster if it goes uphill anyway. So it really started to go and we're both dead. It's me and my wife and we're both, I mean, dying, dying. And I'm just like, we ha- we have to finish. It's going to catch the whole, you know what I mean? I was like, we have to finish now. And so like, we just pulled forth whatever strength we could. And then we got done and we were like, well, that was stupid. It was Thanksgiving. Why did we do that? <laughs> right. Why did we, what were your kids doing? Oh, who knows? Probably. Oh, well, uh, uh, our daughter started working on some of the food and was cleaning up and stuff like that. And, uh, I, you know, the boy, I don't know what he was doing at the time. Swim trunk was just like yeah. hanging out, loving his own life. Yeah. I, he might've been doing something, but I, you know, probably if he was, he was probably supposed to be doing it. But. Now is your son at the age where he has to hold the flashlight or are you getting him to actually like help you with things? Cause I remember at that yeah. age when it was like every project that my dad did, it was just hold the flashlight until I was, 32 but still yeah he's got no interest in that i don't think uh well no one has interest in fixing things as a kid that's gross yeah but but i mean no and i mean just like that whole he's not really trying to to hang out and learn you know any of that intricacy so it would be more i'd be begging him or pushing him making him basically Mm -hmm. so i kind of don't unless it's something that i feel hey you got to start doing this right Right. Yeah, things like That's that. Yeah. Um, other than that, no. But then we just ate at home. Uh, there was a K State basketball game on Thanksgiving, so we watched that. Uh, what? That's yeah. stupid. Why would they have college athletes yeah. who are not getting paid? Yeah, I then... don't know. Good. That I'm is... glad you brought that up uh, because we'll talk about that later in the show. We're also going to talk to Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez. This guy, uh, professional MMA fighter, mixed martial artist uh, of the highest caliber been on the ultimate fighter uh you've seen him around local around here uh, across nationally beating people's heads in inside the cage you've seen him also in a professional wrestling ring especially if you watch 38 the spot in the national wrestling league uh he's if anybody knows anything about these two activities mixed martial arts and professional wrestling they're two of the most 
grueling things you can put a human body through and this guy does both of them so stay tuned at for the that. same time at the same time even at the yeah. same damn time uh so more of that to come but the college athletes we'll talk about that later too because i also want to talk about uh what you brought up here and not we, we're not going to get political and angry and argue about it but the uh, players not getting paid uh, thing. You got a little tidbit. I want to bring that up, but yeah, that was the, the most part of our Thanksgiving. Tim and Tom. I have a divorced family. And then on top of that, I have a girlfriend uh, and she wants to see her family. So I had three Thanksgivings. So what we did is on Thanksgiving day, mid afternoon, we had a litter. I like to call it not, Lunch, not dinner, but combined. I call it liner. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a liner at three o'clock, and then after that, with her family, and then after that, uh, like seven thirty ish, we went for dessert at my father's, and that's going from like the airport to Blue Springs. So that's okay. the drive. Right. And then after Blue Springs, a drive back to Kansas City. So it was a lot of driving. And then the next day we had lunch with my mom at the Hereford house and that was some good food. But so it was a long drawn out, a lot of stuff, a lot of moving, a lot of running, Uh, but it was good. It was such good food from all three. I mean, her family cooks amazing. Uh, Her dad actually cooked uh, by himself for the first time because typically uh, Emily's mom helps out, but she was under the weather and she was nervous that if she prepared food with having a cold or something like that, that she would get other sick. So he did it by himself, knocked out of the park, hit a home run. Uh, then my dad, uh, he always smokes a Turkey. So we tried a little bit of that. And then, like I said, we had dessert and that was always good. And then Herford house. I mean, you can't go wrong with Herford house. So, uh, yeah, it was good all around. Uh, great time spent with all families, but it was a lot of driving by the time, like Sunday rolled around. We were like, I'm done. Because, oh, also, Saturday night we went to a wedding. Oh. One of her closest friends. Okay. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say it was like a deep, close friend, but a acquaintance from many years ago that they still keep in contact with. You know what I'm saying? It's one oh, of those yeah. friends yeah, where it's yeah, like, yeah. we've been friends for 10 years, but we don't see each other every day. That kind of stuff. Um, we went to uh, her friend's wedding Saturday night, and it was at this Noah – event center it's in overland park like 135th and Nall, i think somewhere in there okay and uh it was the wedding and reception in the same place which everybody should do that side note on weddings if you haven't got married yet that's the the tip from your guests that every guest would give you even if they're too afraid to say just be at one place even if it's a church have also the reception at the church like (laughs) The, it's the worst when you like have the wedding and then you got to do pictures, the, the wedding party that is. Mm-hmm. And then the, the guests like drive to the new place. And then we got to do that whole thing again where we're like resitting like it's elementary school and we don't know where to sit next to each other and blah, 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 blah. It's just so much more convenient when it's like, hey, here's the wedding across the hall. There's a reception. It's right. like, this is great. And so, uh, oh, and I watched a. I watched a one-year-old, there's a little baby named Oscar, cutest little baby in the world. Uh, I, I watched a one-year-old try a Sprite for the first time. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This little baby, this little baby tried it. It was like, oh, that's the good stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> first so experience. Had a, drink, 
had a drink and it was out of like an adult cup. Right. So he had a drink and then the mother put it in the sippy cup. But for some reason, he's like, no, 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 no. I want it out of that cup again. Right. And so like the mom, like handing the sippy cup to him was like, get that out of here. Still trying the drink. And then by the third drink he had, he did this like little sugar rush shake where he just was like, this is amazing. And I could see like all the veins in his forehead pop out of his head. It was great. I mean, I'm exaggerating there, but it was so much fun. That was worth the entire thing of going to a wedding was just watching this baby try a Sprite for the first time. And I think he's hooked. Uh, He was cute. He was fun. Uh, he was a happy baby. Happy babies are the best. I hate whiny babies. Well, man, shut up. Get out yeah, of here. Yeah. You deserve to be punt in the butt. But uh, this baby was great. Danced, uh, hung out, had a nice little jerry curl. He was cool. Mm-hmm. He, he had more swagger than I did. Tim and Tom. We saw a movie. Okay. We saw Murder on the Orient Express. Have oh, you seen yeah. that yet? I have not. Mm-mm. Have you read the book? It's a, based off a uh, book. I feel like I've had some exposure to that long time ago, maybe in school. I don't, I don't know. So the author is Agatha Christie and that is uh, my girlfriend's favorite author. And it kind of feels like the family's favorite author. Like they all talk about the brothers, the sister-in-laws, the parents that they are like, like switch around books of Agatha Christie. I full disclosure before I met her, never even heard of Agatha Christie. I was like, who? Yeah. Is that yeah. Faulkner? Is that Hemingway? I don't know. Like, I'm just naming names I, I've heard in I, school. I heard the name and knew it was an author, but that was about it. I couldn't have named it. I mean, it sounds yeah. like an author, right? right Agatha right. Christie. If I told you, hey, here's my friend Agatha, you're like, author? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Old timey author? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, walking into the movie, knew nothing about anything, right? And all like I life. did the entire Like with life. Right. Right. Yeah. Like every morning I wake up, just yeah. what's going on now? What day? Uh, what? <laughs> and so uh, my girlfriend, Emily, she's actually been on the Orient Express. So what I was doing was I was like, so is this like real? Like, is this the actual part? And she's like, I slept a lot on it. And I was like, God dang it. Like, I want to know if this is real and legit, you know? Yeah. And she's like, I, I think so. Whatever. Just yeah. watch the movie. It's fine. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a great movie. It has twists and turns and, the main character is captivating. He's like, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Cause it's a little bit like, uh, uh, those CBS, like, uh, criminal minds or like the elementary or, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it's like, I'm super smart and I work with the cops and I figure out the crime before the cops do it. The guy's a little bit like that, except for he works by himself. So there's not of that tension, sure. but, uh, there's twists and turns. And I finally figured it out literally right before they revealed it. I was like, Oh, it's this. And then he, then he's like, it was this. And I was like, yeah, I was so you like throw up your popcorn. And you were like, called that. Yeah. Called it. Yeah. yeah. Two seconds before tried to high five some young, uh, you know, like uh, maybe 18 year old, 20 year olds. And they were like, ew. And you were like, I yeah. called it. Still called it. Still well, called I looked it. at Emily. I was like, did you know? And she's like, yeah, remember I read the book and we went with <laughs> yeah. her brother yeah. and I was like, did you know? And he's like, yeah, I read the book too. Yeah. He's like, everybody like, knows. Tom, everybody, everybody knows. knows. <laughs> I was the only one excited about the reveal that everyone knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's visually stunning. Uh, Johnny Depp is in it. And if you don't like Johnny Depp, he plays a great role, but he's not in it a lot. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. Uh, the little fat guy from Beauty and the Beast is in it. 
Uh, it was really, really good. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. I give that movie a solid B+. Tim and Tom. Right now, we're at the end of November. Uh-huh. And for me, this is when I start to be like, all right, well, this year's over with. December's just Christmas, so just get through Christmas, right? Have you started, like, thinking about 2018? Like, do you do any New Year's resolutions or anything like that? I typically do not. I have two. <sighs> I like to live my life in a state of constant improvement, Tom. I uh, always keep my eye on the prize, you know, working towards my goals. And, uh, nose to the grindstone. Nose to the grindstone. Whatever. I look forward yeah. to the challenge that each and every day brings me. Uh, no, uh, mostly I'm lazy, and uh, and I've also lowered my expectations, my self-expectations, uh, and learned that I'm a continual disappointment, so I kind of stopped doing the New Year's resolution. Yeah. Great. <laughs> right. Happy show. No. Uh yeah. no, sometimes yes, but no, I definitely haven't given it any thought to this one, but it sounds you said you've got two. Got two. Already did one. Well, I'm signing up for one. I've agreed upon it on a handshake and I, I'm gonna do it because I'm a man of my word. Mm-hmm. Uh but me and Emily's older brother, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna run uh the half marathon, the Kansas City half marathon in mm-hmm. October. So I've got mm-hmm. enough time. Yeah. Uh and yeah. That's a lot. Though. I figured. Well, I figured because like I am a sack of yogurt right now. Like I look like two sacks. I look. Yeah, I look like a like a. I look like a slow deflating, uh, waterbed. You look like, like a. You look like a beanie baby that uh, you know after you took out of the washer and it got a hole and half the beans are out of it. You know? I look like an unmade bed after a kid with a nightmare slept in it. Mm-hmm. So my goal was like, hey, I need to get in shape. But I always like to work towards something. I hate just like, oh, this week I lost one pound. Next week I lost three pounds. And then I gained one pound. Like there's no like end. It's just like a continual like, when will this stop? It's like a rat on a wheel. You know what I mean? Wait, so I was like, wait, are you telling me your problem is, oh, man, I just keep losing all these pounds. It never well, stops. No, I don't saying, know what it's going to Yeah, no, I but know. Then I'm saying, there's no end. Yeah, there's no finish line. Right. right, yeah. So there's nothing you're working towards. And so, <laughs> you know, I was always wanting to do a fight. And that's still kind of like in the back of my mind. But with this shoulder surgery, you know, I still can't grab two pounds and curl it or even yeah. put my hand above my head. So sure. I was like, what could I do that is challenging, but that doesn't require like extreme physical strain? And I was like, well, running because, you know. You, you could run at your own pace. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And definitely. so uh, her brother ran, it was a 60K, which is like a 32 mile race. Gosh. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, I'll run a half marathon with you. That's easy. And so <laughs> uh, we're going to sign up. It's $50 before December 31st. Uh, it's a Kansas City Marathon. It's right here by by my house. Like we run past Donutology, which is great. You stop getting um, a donut. Yeah, exactly. And so Burt Kreischer, great stand-up comedian, he just ran a half marathon, and he ran it in two hours and 40 minutes. And I was like, that fat piece of crap I'm beating. Now, he runs five miles like every other day, and he just ran a 5K on Thanksgiving just for the fun of it. But I'm beating him. So I have a goal, and then I have even a a more defined goal by beating someone – and so, uh, yeah, October is when it starts. I can't run yet. I haven't ran yeah. since surgery. Oh, God. Uh, well, yeah. But How are you going to do it? 
Well, I, I assume my, now this is me kind of web MD in it and kind of giving my own self diagnosis. I'm assuming by mid January, I'll be able to run. So then that's 10 months to run 15 miles. And I think I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you take a measured approach to knowing, hey, I need to be at this point by this point by this point by right. this point. Right, with that much time, it's not like I'm doing this in a month. And so yeah. I'm giving yeah. myself some time. Uh, there's plenty of like, here's a, a daily routine of what you should do, like run a mile today, rest day tomorrow, that kind of stuff. I'm going to take that. I'm going to also uh, consult with her brother because he, he, he has a PhD in exercise physiology. He's wow. a doctor in exercise physiology. So, yeah, that's it. No big deal. Yeah. He has his master's in mathematics yeah. and and teaching. But does he have a podcast? Yeah. Oh, huh. Psych. He huh. don't. He don't. Huh. Does he have half a podcast? No, he does not. So he's not better than you, Tom. You have right. half a I podcast. Tim and Tom. There was something I wanted to bring up that's really cool. So I okay. love this podcast, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And everyone of should listen to Tim and Tom. Right? Yeah. Tim and Tom. Tim and Tom. The news. Yes. However, there's a new podcast that came across. It's called Ear Hustle. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. Ear Hustle. I'm going to read the description and tell me you're not intrigued by this. Okay. Ear Hustle brings you stories of life inside prison shared and produced by those living it. The podcast is a partnership between Earlone Woods and Antoine Williams, currently incarcerated at San Quentin State Prison, and Nigel Poor, a Bay Area artist. The team works in San Quentin's media lab to produce stories that are sometimes difficult, often funny, and always honest, offering a nuanced view of people living within the American prison system. I had heard something about this, and I am super excited. I'm glad you told me and the listeners the name. I, yeah, I really want to hear yeah. hustle. Mm -hmm. yeah. What a fascinating like subject, because you know there's so many times. I mean, there's movies made about it of going to prison and the scary. Oh my god, about it, right? And then even more so, like when we say people should be punished and how that punishment should look like when they go to prison. And here is an actual account from within the prison walls right. of what life is yeah. like. That is fascinating. Super cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, is it up now? Is that what you said? It's like yeah. available yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, it's up now. Yep. All right. Ear hustle. There's now, Tom obviously, pick. Tim and Tom, that should be your number one destination. But after Tim and Tom, because we're only an hour and a half, mm -hmm. then head over mm -hmm. to Ear Hustle. <laughs> Tim and Tom. I'm a college athletics fan. Watch the Kansas State football and the basketball. Not about theirs or even anything specifically going on, say, on the field or on the court right now. But uh, there's a hot button issue is, you know, the players. Should they get paid? You know, how does that work? What does that look like? What are the logistics? Um, and there's always been the stance of, well, uh, some of the universities claim, well, we can't afford to pay all these players, right? Or it's amateur status, right? It would be it would be unpure, right, to pay them. Uh, five coaches that were fired in, from the NCAA Power Five conferences, right? Division One, highest level of college football. Five coaches fired recently over the past weekend, totaling sixty million dollars due in payouts for dead money. Coaches that sucked and got fired are getting paid sixty million dollars, but. 
can't get this kid a Nutribar. You know what I'm saying? Like at some point, I was like, this well, is just yeah. really. I was just baffled by the extent of that. I was like, man, there's nothing we can't get. To, I mean, like, there's nothing here. Like, come on, guys. This obviously there's a problem here. Well, does that contract even exist outside of college sports? Right. I mean, honestly, well, yes. like, let's say you got yes. fired from your job. Is that Not a mine. contract? No. It does in say high collar or you know a uh, high paying blue or white collar. There's all this golden umbrella stuff when you get into this executive level of you know into wall street stuff but yeah. no not for most average people no uh now when you get into some contract work yeah you'll run into things i mean you see that in baseball a lot oh man this guy's really good now we better lock him up but the only way to lock him up was to pay him less per year but we got him for 10 years well four years into it he got old and he sucks and now we're paying him way more than he's worth and he's sitting on the right. bench right like a uh, Bobby Bonilla. I right. That. I mean, yeah. you get that kind of stuff. Uh, well, uh, that's probably the way Alex Gordon's going to end up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're paying him way more than he's worth right now. And if he hit a wall and got old, that happens. But, eh. You know, so you get some of that. But I just, I thought, man, it just seems really. And, and we don't got to go too deep into it. But it just seemed like kind of a, hey, man, you can't in one hand be like, well, we can't afford to pay. Well, maybe you could afford to pay if you're not giving these guys contracts that pay them when they suck and you fire them. Right. Now, Paying athletes, I'm still not in favor in the sense that one sport at one school is worth more than another sport at another school. Like I always, I always take the example of Division One wrestling, right? So if you go to Nebraska, Oklahoma State, and Missouri, those are like the elite, top of the top. So obviously they should get paid as they should right. deserve. Right. But if you go to like, uh. Mississippi state, they don't give two craps about wrestling. So right. if that guy got the same pay as the Missouri guy, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, no. So that's where like, yeah, I get, no, I think you'd have to, thing. yeah, you'd have to find a way to proportionally, you know, uh, in a deserving fashion. Right. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you're going to make and then more. title nine. Then you got to think about title yeah. nine. Cause then women basketball, like the university of uh, Connecticut women's basketball, is like a breadwinner for that school. And so they would obviously want and, more. And I would be, I would hear more of the argument of, well, because of that, right? We got title nine, we got this amateur status. Uh, it's X, Y, and Z. It would be too much to spread out. Okay. But then what you can do is you can say, uh, some of the money that they're helping you earn isn't just going to go into the pocket of a coach that sucks. It has to go back into student welfare or it has to go back, you know, across the board, spread out across the NCAA or something, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's there's something that can be done. I think it's a clear thing. At one point, KU uh, football <laughs> that, that that's still a thing. They were paying three coaches at one time because they were on. Is that the saddest thing in sports? Is <laughs> KU football the saddest thing in sports? So uh, K State down the road uh, was known as the worst collegiate football program in history, right? They were the only team with 500 losses. Even after Bill Snyder came in and started winning there for, I think, five, six years, they were still the losingest team in college football history, right? Most Mm -hmm. losses. And there was a stretch, right? That was, there was, I think they were winless for like three years. And Sports Illustrated did a article on them called Futility U, right? And they, they were talking about how this is the most unbelievable worst stretch in college football history, right? This three years of winless thing. Uh, KU has blown that out the water. Like they've had longer, like less percentage winnings, like terrible. Uh, but it just kind of seems like a different, you know what I mean? I guess more people are accustomed to losing for longer portions of time. You know what I mean? The parody is kind of grown and stuff, but like 
it's it's been a really bad stretch for them lately, and they've thrown a lot of money at it, and they're going to throw more. They're going to spend. Their plan is to spend three hundred million dollars on that dump of a stadium there in Lawrence. You been in that thing, the Memorial no. Stadium there? Have you ever been not. near? Have you ever been to Lawrence? No. Like, they're they're going to spend $300 million on this thing. There's also a fun fact. There's no parking at that stadium. And I mean there's no parking lots, right? There's like you can park on some streets. We went to a game. We had to park somewhere. So imagine if they were good and could fill the stadium. I don't even know where people park in that place. And they're going to spend $300 million, which they've started working on some of it. But they only have, I think, like 50 I think, million dollars pledged. And they went ahead and started moving forward with some of the plans. I was like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. That's stupid. Hey, speaking about coaches and money and things like that, have you been following this University of Tennessee story, the Greg Schiano? Uh, what about the Greg Schiano? So I believe that's his name, Greg Schiano. Yeah. So he got yeah, hired. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got yeah. hired as the Tennessee football coach. Mm-hmm. He sucks. He's a yeah. below five hundred coach. Yeah. However, he gets hired. A little small uproar comes about because he was somewhat associated. Uh, with the Sandusky touching little boys and mm-hmm. well, I guess not little boys, but touching boys in the shower yeah. scandal at yeah. Penn State. Right, right. They say we don't want this. Well, he was the athletic director, is, is the thing. When he, or no, he was coaching on staff there. Or something he was, or yeah, he was on staff. He right. was an assistant coach yeah. on staff. Uh, so he kind of got thrown under the bus with that scandal. Uh, I think it was that he's not a good coach, and they said, "Oh, this is the flag we're gonna." Well, wave. yeah, it, it is. So they, I guess, they were trying to go after Gruden. They were trying to go after some other big names. And and look, to some people's credit, the expectations at a place like that with a hundred thousand people capacity stadium, you're in the SEC, where it's you're gonna get fired if you win eight games every year. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't blame a lot of people for saying, "Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll stay at Iowa State, or maybe I'll stay at you know." Like, I, I don't blame them one bit. Well, that's not the question I wanted to get at. The question I wanted to get at is they signed a letter of understanding or they've worded it some other way. But basically, it was an understanding of before we finalize this, we're in exclusive contract negotiations. Right. They had already signed that. And then Tennessee was like, ah, actually, we're out. So my question to you is, does he deserve to get money? Uh, I, you know, they were talking about that on the sports radio here this morning because uh, this has kind of sullied some of his name, you know what I mean? And kind of well, who would ever ca- hire him as a head coach. Right. So yeah, I mean like, yo man, you know, but then you- does he deserve all of his contract? Cause he didn't do anything. Yeah, man. I don't know. I I'd have to see if there's any legal precedents out there for any kind of similar situations. I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody say you owe them everything throughout the, the length of the contract because you weren't, 100% likely to maybe get all that anyway, right? Because they build in some, you know, backfalls for contracts like that and things like that. Um, so I don't The know. only thing I can think about is, remember, it was in the late 90s when the uh, University of Notre Dame football program hired a coach, but he lied on his resume. So they hired him, and then they realized that he had lied, and so they fired him. And then he was saying, no, you so, hired me, so you owe me money. And so they went into some negotiations. That's the only thing I could think of that was similar uh, to this situation. But So here's a Kansas City-ish local tie-in back to this story. Uh, the athletic director for the University of Tennessee, you know who he is? Who's, no. who's bumbled all this? John Curry, the former athletic director at Kansas State, who ran Frank Martin out of town, uh, and it was soured his good name here. Right, everybody kind of turned on him then here. Uh, well, because that was kind of you know what I mean, an iffy 
questionable idea at the time. And uh, now, now he's there in Tennessee, which was like his dream job. It's like where he had kind of, you know, wanted to be. And then this happens almost out of the gate. I mean, he's only been there, you know what I mean, a short period of time for less than a year, I think, maybe. So. Well, bye. Yeah. So yeah. he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so all the K-State fans, of course, are loving that situation, right? Because, you know. That's crazy. There, did you see the on Monday Night Raw? There was a fire John Curry sign because of that. He's the Tennessee Athletic. Or somebody in the front row of Raw has a sign that says "Fire John Curry." Similar. That is that yeah. is way too much of a fan to be fire an athletic director at a school while I'm at a pro Monday wrestling Monday Night Raw. Show. Yeah, he yeah. just wanted it on national TV for the meme or the GIF, I guess. Yeah. Um, there was also a football sign. Uh, the coach of the Denver Broncos, John Fox, is that his name? Right. No, John Fox coaches the Chicago Bears. Is it the Bears? Uh, Van- right. Yeah. Right. So he's there at the Bears, and then somebody in the crowd wanted to express uh, their desire that they should fire Coach Fox, right? So they had a mm-hmm. sign that was shaped like the Firefox logo, <laughs> like the browser logo. <laughs> so he's just got a big Firefox logo out in the crowd. How intelligent that is, is that, smart. Right? Yeah. yeah, if you're going to do it, do it like that. That's smart. Tim and Tom. Breaking news to us, the Eli Manning story. He gets uh, benched after 209 consecutive starts, the second longest only to Brett Favre. And then here's the thing that I think is interesting about sports. Here, we'll go into this kind of a topic instead of just specifically Eli Manning. Does, uh, does he deserve to be benched? Because that's a sports topic, and we're trying to be b- bigger than that. Think about this. You just got fired from your job, right? So, mm-hmm. hey, uh, the company is just not going in the right direction. Uh, Tim, we're going to let you go, right? right? You're devastated, I assume, right? Yeah. And then you have to go and answer questions from reporters. Yeah. How embarrassing well, and not and even hard that. is that? It's not even that. It's that it, it's a job you want to be doing, right? You don't view it as like work. I don't like this. I don't want to do these tasks. Yeah, it's like, I want exactly. to do this for you. Uh, you're not only, you're not really fired, but you're not going to do the job. Now you're going to sit here and watch this other guy do the job. And if he gets hurt, you'll come in and do it until he's not hurt. Right. Like, and then they, they said he's not even second string. Oh, really? They They, said, they said that, uh, so he was the the starter, right? Right. So for non-sports fans, I'll break it down this way. He was the starter. The backup's name is Geno Smith. Geno Smith will now start. Geno Smith will only start He's for a limited terrible. amount of time yeah. because then their rookie, the third oh, string, yeah, okay. will then play then. And so gotcha. Eli got moved from starter to third string. Hey, man. Uh, and they beat the Chiefs. Well, ever <laughs> since we did that episode, we, we are the curse on the Kansas City Chiefs. Are we? Are we? Or is the Kansas City Chiefs the... No, yeah. they were undefeated. Mm-hmm. You had to say they're going to the Super Bowl. I didn't say and that. And then look what they did. Yeah, you that. did. No, I didn't say that. Yes, all you I did. did. All we did was ask. Uh, <laughs> we asked. No, Nick Jacobs. Said, there, yeah, there you go. There, he said it. Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. That's you heard it here first, and then you said Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Hey, now listen. You. Okay, all right. So again, it's sports. We're talking about whatever. Uh, Chiefs over the last six games have gone one and five, right? Because they have stunk. Hey, remember the last time they went one and five over a series of six games? All they did was rattle off ten wins in a row. Oh, that's not going to happen this year. Well, if it did, that would be a Super Bowl win. Huh? That would be. Huh? Hey, huh? did you hear the fun fact about Alex Smith? I like Alex Smith. Do you like Alex Smith? I like Alex Smith, but here's why I think 
at this point, I would be ready if I'm the coach to uh, put in Patrick Mahomes over Alex Smith. And here's why. Okay. Now I love Alex Smith. Great guy. I think he's very, uh, you know, very philanthropic, very calm demeanor, right? He's a very likable guy, right? And obviously worked very hard, wants to do very well. Isn't I don't think he's ever been accused of kind of not giving a crap. You know what I mean? Like he's he's there, he works hard and all that. But when he's got maybe an offensive line that he's not trusting or it's not working out, right? And he's and he's got a scramble and he's gonna throw, his inclination is to look short, right? Who's close? Who can I dump it off to? And then we'll live another day and we'll punt, right? The difference with Mahomes is he's looking all the way down the field and he's going to launch it and he's going to give somebody a shot at making a crazy, amazing play. Now, it may get intercepted, but in my opinion, if you throw it down there and it gets intercepted down there at the 10 or 20, that's where it was going to go if you punted it. So I'm kind of like, eh. You know well, what I mean? Like, I'll, you know. You're assuming then the guy gets tackled right there. True. Tip. True. Yeah, it could be a pick six. True. It could be a pick six. But I don't know. At some point, I don't know. It just feels like. I don't know. I obviously that's not the only answer. I don't think you know. It's, I like it's that so Alex Smith. I like that Alex Smith listens to NPR before a Chiefs football game. Did he say he does it before a game, or is he say? Yeah, like he says he the... listens to it in his car as he's driving to the stadium. Right, he right, says, okay. "I'm already geeked out that I know that people yeah. are going to try to hurt me. Yeah, I don't need to be it. any more geeked out." So I, yeah, I, I, I call myself by listening to NPR, which good for him. Listen to NPR. It's great stuff for it you. It is. 89 here on the local At, dial. After you listen to Tim and Tom. And then uh, Ear and Hustle. And then NPR. Tim and Tom. We've got a hell of an interview coming up with Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez. Uh, this guy, impressive, impressive athlete. And we're going to talk to him. A uh, local guy, too. That's all the better, right? And a good friend. And a good friend. We've know him, known him well. You've known him even longer I than I have. I lived with the bastard for three years. You did live with him. Uh, yeah. Oof. Oh, you still it was a good time. It was a great you, time. You still haven't recovered fully. I mean, it's still, it still shows. Yeah, he's you a great still, guy. You can almost smell it on you. All right. No, that's terrible. No, he's a great guy. He's fun, and we're going to talk to him when we come back. Jeez, uh, that's all we got. We'll come back to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the letter E is the most commonly typed letter on a keyboard. Had to lap you niggas just in case you thought it was a close race. Said they need a second, yeah, that's why you second in the first place. I'm too swift in it, I said, but let you finish just to save face. That's your best case on my worst days. Tim and Tom. This episode of Tim and Tom is sponsored by absolutely no one. But... If you listening own a business, we could be talking about your business right now. We talked to a lot of amazing businesses. Here's, I guess, our little two-second commercial. Obviously, we've talked to the American Public Square, Donutology, the National World War One Museum. Uh, we're talking to interesting people like coming up Anthony Shark Baker-Terez, Atomic Fizz. You can also get in contact with a lot of amazing people through us. So if you are interested, let us know. Tim and Tom KC at gmail.com. <laughs> Tim and Tom. So Tony or Anthony or Sharkbait, a man of many names, mm -hmm. uh, you are fighting this Saturday night, December 2nd, in Independence at the Truman Memorial Building, Kansas City Fighting Alliance. Uh, first off, tell us about how training has been for this fight. Training's been good. Uh, I had been in the gym quite a bit. 
uh, over the last couple months, sparring and grappling, not on a full-time schedule, but been doing that. And uh, also, been uh, the majority of my time has been spent wrestling. I've been pro wrestling about six to eight times a month. So uh, my buddy Yaz and Haji, as uh, both of you may know, a good fighter, was going to be fighting on Kansas City Fighting Alliance this Saturday, December 2nd. And he had to pull off because he's going to go to the Ultimate Fighter tryout. And so uh, I decided to fill in for his opponent. So really, uh, it's about a 10-day training camp, which is not really a camp. It's more of a uh, just kind of get my reflexes where they need to be. I don't really have enough time to get my body in any sort of fighting shape, but I can. I have a lot of time to get my eyes and reflexes and things like that going. So I've really just been working on when someone throws a shin to my dome, I'm working on my reflexes doing the right thing so I don't wake up to Rance McClain, if you know what I mean. We do. So talk to us a little bit about that. You're taking a fight on 10 days notice. A lot of people, at least for the outsiders who are, you know, viewing fighting as a spectator sport or as a spectator, they they think that you need, you know, three months to train and all of this stuff. When you take a fight on short notice, what's your mentality like? Are you just like, yeah, I just do this because that's what I do? Or do you feel like you're cramming for a test? What's that like? Yeah, um, it just depends. Like, uh, so uh... – I got I got a phone call just asking if I would want to take the fight, and I looked up, uh, watched a video of the guy, and I thought, okay, I match up well with him technically. I think it's a fight I can win. Um, and then I, you know, I said, I think it's a fight I can win, and not being the best prepared I've ever been for in a fight. Uh, money's definitely a motivation coming into the holidays, but uh, um, really just a, a combination of wanting to get in there and have fun and and get a win. It's I think it'll be cool that I can say in 2017 I won two professional mixed martial arts fights and then also wrestled, you know, 50 professional wrestling matches. So that was another big motivation was getting another fight in, making some money, and getting another win, really. So how long have you been fighting overall, Sharkbait? Uh, I've been fighting since NAM. Since uh, NAM, huh? That's a real long, man, that's storied career then, obviously. Yeah, uh, I've been fighting since, how long, T-Mac, 2009? I mean, I've been street fighting since I was like uh, <laughs> right. in sixth grade, but uh, my first MMA fight was in 2009 in high school. And that's an interesting story, because I obviously know about it, but tell us a little bit about your first amateur fight and kind of the, the freak spectacle that happened during that. Yeah, it was a fight down in Springfield, Missouri at the Shrine Mosque. And uh, uh, me and a kid, we, uh, as soon as the bell rang, we went out and threw kicks at each other at the same time, and our shins collided, and uh, his shin snapped in half. It was pretty disgusting, and I've never really experienced anything like that as uh, in a fight before as uh, as crazy as that. And that was my first fight ever, and now here we're on fight number 34. So what propels you? You said... You've been fighting in the streets. I mean, what was it the popularity of the sport? And you said, hey, man, I, I can do this. What drives you into something like this? You know, it was a, it was a combination of being sick of, like, I, I grew up playing a bunch of sports, uh, like football, basketball, baseball. I was not very good at baseball, but I played it. Uh, but, uh, and football and basketball were my thing. And uh, I went to Lisa West High School. And really, like, freshman year and sophomore year, 
I was getting kind of sick of just, which, you know, and it was, if there was nothing political about it. I was mediocre compared to all the talent that was at the school. And so, you know, I made the basketball team, you know, being the, the seventh, eighth man. I made the football team being the second string guy on JV or on the sophomore team, which, you know, when you're a sophomore, you want to play JV. And so you get put on the sophomore team and there's nothing wrong with that or anything like that. But a lot of those team sports, I, I kind of just started getting turned off because of my lack of success, I think, and I didn't really have the desire to, um, you know, play at a at a level that a lot of, like a lot of the kids I went to high school with that were playing those sports ended up playing Division One and stuff like that. And I was never at that level, so a combination of that, and then I remember getting in a, a couple street fights earlier on in my life, and I remember noticing how much of a struggle it was for both people. And then I realized like it's a huge struggle mentally and physically just as much as it is for you that you're feeling a lot of times when they're not prepared, it's the same for them. So if you can kind of just chill out, they'll beat themselves. And I remember, I remember, th I remember learning that early. Uh, and then I was kind of just turned on by the chaos really. And I went to my first jujitsu school and really, I think what also got me addicted to the sport was I learned a submission uh, really early, it was a triangle choke, and I learned it like really early into my training when I was like 15 or 16, and I went to uh, the Whiskey Tango, which the T-Mac remembers, but in Grain Valley, the Whiskey Tango used to put on these MMA fights that would put, what T-Mac, like two or 3,000 people? Oh, yeah, it would be packed uh, from wall to wall. Yeah, like the line would go all the way to that subway. Um, I don't know, what what highway is that, I-70? Yeah, that's I-70, right off I-70. It would be packed. Like, they would have a fire marshal for people who have never been to the oh, Whiskey Tango. It's no longer there now, but uh, – or the Whiskey Tango is there, but they don't do fights there anymore. But, yeah, they would have it packed to the max, and then they would have a fire marshal shut it down in the sense of no more people could come in. But then, yeah, there's – they'd have 20 to 22 fights every night. Wow. Oh, it was, it was nuts. And so, anyway, um, I remember, uh, like, being at the gym – and, you know, just training casually. But there, I went to some of the fights once, and I saw some of the guys that were at the gym fighting. And I, you know, looked at them as just, oh, my gosh, how cool. That is so amazing. And then when I learned the triangle choke, I found myself submitting the guys that were going and competing. And that's when I really, like, when I went, I kind of had this switch in my head of, uh, oh, I thought you guys were, like, these special things. And I, can, and I think I can beat all of you. And then so that's when I really got, like, really hooked, I think. And really I became, from, like, 16 to 22, I just became really obsessed. But yeah, you became it. really good as well. One thing you had mentioned, let's fast forward just a little bit, because you had mentioned you've had now 50 professional wrestling matches, and now this will be your second MMA fight. Last weekend you were in a tag team match at the Scottish Rite Temple uh, in a pro wrestling match. And now this Saturday you're going to be in a cage fighting another guy in a mixed martial arts fight. What is that like? And, and tell us about that whole, how do you juggle both things? How do you pro wrestle and get as good as you are at that? Cause every time we've seen you, you're getting better each time and then still maintain this high level of MMA fight, uh, skill that you have. You know, it's really, it's all, it's all I'm doing, you know. So I, I think there's enough time to do two things. Uh, if I had to work a job, uh, I don't think I could do both uh, well. Uh, but really there's enough time to do both. 
um, you know, the MMA, the pro wrestling, which there, of course, you can train your pro wrestling, and there, I'm, I'm not like, and I pro- actually I should be training more to be honest. But uh, the pro wrestling, I don't really train. I just get in there, and uh, I mean, I haven't trained pro wrestling in months. I'm just uh, getting getting my experience in the ring yeah. with uh, with working six to six to eight shows a month. You get a lot of experience, and so throughout the week, I've just been training you know, every day for MMA and then just on the weekends, uh, on the weekend, uh, getting ready for, you know, just going and wrestling. So just getting better in the ring doing that. Well, with the pro wrestling aspect, that being some storytelling and you need to interact with the live audience that you almost have to learn more on the job as it were, uh, in that skill set. but seems like that would be a disastrous decision in the MMA world. Definitely your, uh, your odds, go up with uh, getting prepared in MMA and probably same with pro wrestling, but yeah, pro wrestling, you feeding off the crowd. There is a lot of stuff you can improve on like your move set and like timing drills and things like that for pro wrestling. But yeah, the biggest thing is like reacting to the audience and working with them. So MMA is definitely something you have to dedicate more time to because you got to get your body ready because it's pretty difficult. You mentioned this is all you're doing. So you think you've got plenty of time, but Let's talk about the ability. Both of these things that you do, professional MMA fighting and professional wrestling, are known as some of the most gruesome uh, things you can do to the human body that you can put yourself through over and over again. Uh, and you're doing both of them at the same time. I just how do you how do you not break yourself on a daily? How are you just that freak of an athlete? How does this work? I've been pretty fortunate. Uh... The uh, the worst injury I've had in pro wrestling actually came in the training room. We were doing a six man tag match in just a, a room with no audience and with six you know NWO wrestlers, and I got uh, thrown into a metal box and I got stabbed in the in the side and it was really bad. But that's what the only injury I've had pro wrestling. I've never, I mean, knock on wood, and I know the day's coming. You're not going to be able to do it long enough without getting hurt, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had any injuries in pro wrestling at all. Um, I think I've had a little, a couple stingers in my neck that were just pre-existing injuries from MMA that got flared up from like hitting the turnbuckle and things like that. As far as MMA goes, uh, I haven't really. MMA, you're always binged up. Like MMA, you always have some cartilage falling off of a rib, or or you've got like like a a, whole, a shoulder bothering you or something like that. There's always something in MMA that's bothering you. But that's one thing is my last fight hasn't been since May, and my body's been feeling really great just not beating it up all the time in MMA and just, uh, you know, just wrestling six to eight times a month. It's My body's been pretty healthy. Uh, it's, I mean, but both sports, both sports are pretty crazy. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's been going well so far. I haven't really... I don't know. I, I guess it is pretty crazy. I don't really think of it that way. The way I think of it is just I want to be known as one of the only guys that's competing professionally in mixed martial arts while competing, you know, in a legitimate professional wrestling atmosphere. Uh, you know, my wrestling matches are on a television network, you know, 38 The Spot, which airs on Saturday nights at 11 p.m. So it's a pretty legitimate wrestling company. And then, you know, my fights, I've I've had some pretty good credentials and a resume with fighting. And so I think with doing both of those at the same time will set myself apart in the combat sports world 
as a, as something to you know be a fan of, and we'll see if it catches on, you know. Well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you too. Is there is this kind of new infusion in pro wrestling, and you know, me and Tim are being pro wrestling fans of guys coming over from the MMA world that are trying their hand at uh, pro wrestling. What's the fascination? Do you think it's just that all MMA fighters are like pro wrestling fans, or do they just see this as like another way to be physical and earn some money? Like, wh- what do you see that wave of MMA fighters coming into pro wrestling? What's that about? I mean, I definitely like, uh, I don't think there's, there's no way that you could, I mean, unless you're like some huge body guy that's going to just do some like gimmick where you're just running around and giving each other pub handles and yeah, like, unless you like, if you're going to be good at pro wrestling, you have to love it and you have to really like have a passion for it because it is like really difficult and physical and you have to have like a lot of patience and and it's really hard to do. Uh, I will say having an MMA background, I think is a huge benefit going in. Like if, if I were just someone who just played like football or basketball and got into pro wrestling compared to someone who's like had a professional fighting background and got into pro wrestling, I, I think that like fast tracks you twice as much because you know, it's a, it's a make-believe fight, and when you've been fighting forever, you kind of understand that a little better. I, I, yeah, I think they're just big fans of pro wrestling, that whatever path led them down life, led them into MMA, and then for whatever reason they thought, hmm, I could do that. Uh, I think the ones that succeed are the ones that know that when they get into pro wrestling, it's not easy. Like, I didn't go into it thinking, I do the real MMA stuff, so this pro wrestling stuff is a joke. Because if you were viewing it like that, then you would be viewing it as something that's comparable to MMA, like a real fight, when it's not even close to what, you know, the two aren't even really similar at all in that sense. And so you have to have, like, kind of an expectation of and it's going to be really difficult. And I don't know, it's, it's been really hard, but fun. Kind of expand on that a little bit more. What, what do you think some of the key differences are in, say, a real MMA fight versus pro wrestling, which is kind of a, a circus-like performance of a what would essentially be a mixed martial arts fight minus the cage and and that current rules but oh you're asking about the differences yeah what would so from your stance and how you're going to go out and do your physical activity i mean really like in mma it's it's more of like uh you're in your own zone and in your own head and you got to impose your will on you know your opponent uh, and to, to get a, a victory with, with pro wrestling like a lot i look across the ring and i look in his eyes and especially the state I'm in, I'm thinking, please let's stick together and work together and let's get this figured out and be as one. <laughs> like that's how I view like my opponent in pro wrestling because we're working together and I'm so green that like I'll sometimes I'll get lost or whatever and he'll will call like audibles on the fly and I'm like oh Jesus and because I'm newer and so like and so like when I'm pro wrestling it's more of you are my friend let's dance. And then in MMA, it's more of just focused on imposing my will on them. As far as the physicality goes, MMA's physicality is more of, and T-Max felt this before, but it's more of like a, I've exerted my muscles to the point where they can't be exerted anymore, and that's your soreness. Pro wrestling is more of a, uh, 
I've been sitting in my sofa all day long. Okay, bam, I just got hit by a car sore. <laughs> but it's different. And it's like the per they're both sore and they're in like you both you have to be like mentally ready for either sore but or soreness, but they're just way different. Now, uh since your fight is coming up this Saturday, you said you, you watched a tape on the this guy that you're fighting on Saturday night and you said you matched up well uh with him. What what is his skill set from what you could see? Is he uh, is this guy going to be swinging for the fences? What do you see as far as his fighting style and how it matches up with you? Uh, the more complicated and technical it gets, the better is a lot better for me. The more of an athlete, athlete off it gets, um, the better his chances would go, uh, which, I mean, I don't think that would be an issue either. But uh, he's more of a just a basic one-two big kick, big back kick, big lead kick, one-two-three low kick. His shots are... Just double legs. Um, really, I think I'm better everywhere, whether it's the experience, the jiu-jitsu, the um, striking, and the wrestling. Uh, he's just an athlete, and he hits hard. And this fight is at 155 pounds, so it's, uh, it'll be the uh, – I've never fought at 155 as a pro. Um, I fought there twice as an amateur. So this will be a bigger guy that I'm, used to, I'm not used to fighting, but I'm also a lot bigger too. So it'll be a couple of different elements for this fight that, that makes it really interesting. Um, but uh, I think I have a technical advantage everywhere. To get this fight off in 10 days, you also are in kind of a unique situation with your pro wrestling in that most pro wrestlers are operating under a similar way that the MMA fighter is. It's kind of an independent contract between the promoter and then the performer slash the fighter. But with the national wrestling league that you work with, you're an employee there and they're, you know, you're their performer as, as for those performances. Are they, do you have to clear that with them to say, Hey, I got to go out here and possibly get injured. Or is that already expressed before you sign on? How does that work? Yeah, it's already expressed. And, and with me, my whole gimmick in pro wrestling being, an MMA fighter, it just uh, kind of legitimizes my character, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know I think it's a win-win. It's, it's they understand it's a good way for me to make money, and so it definitely wasn't an issue at all. I guess after this fight, I've saw that you're you're already billed again to be back in the NWL. What what's the future like for you as far as uh, after this fight? Are you gonna still keep doing two to three fights a year in all of these wrestling matches, or what do you see in your near future? I'm gonna fight again in February, so I will be pro wrestling. I would pretty much be the exact same plan for next year as I did this year. At least two MMA fights next year. Um, I have a lot of wrestling dates as of right now booked until February. So I'm, I'm going to be super busy up. And then I have, a, I have, a, I have about 15, I would say about like almost 20 wrestling matches booked from now until mid-February. And then I'll have another fight mid-February. So really I'm not looking past February, but I would assume the year after or the month, following months from there will just be more matches and then maybe a fight towards the end of the year is what I would think. So let's get the plugs in then, man. Obviously, we, we've talked about the National Wrestling League there at nwleague.com. Uh, 38th the spot every Saturday night, or if, if I'm correct there, 11 o'clock, is that right? Yep. Yep. That's right. And then the fight is 
It, uh, Tom, you got the details on the fight better than I do. Saturday night, December 2nd, Independence, Missouri, the Truman Memorial Building. The fight promotion is called Kansas City Fighting Alliance. Uh, Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez will be in the co-main event. Uh, there's going to be also a lot of other high-level uh, fighters. Trey Ogden is going to be in the main event, a very good pro in, in, in his own right. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be Saturday, December 2nd. Um, at Independence uh, True Memorial Building, Kansas City Fighting Alliance. But you'd really be there to see shark bait. I mean, that's what you'd really go there for. So there's where... a lot of talent on the card, but there's not a lot of ticket sellers. Right, not like Tony Tickets. Hey, so what What about you? Where can people find you? Uh, social media, anywhere else? What, what, what do you got out there? Sharkbait816 on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook. Um, and that's it. Yeah, just give me a follow on there. I appreciate you guys having me on the okay. show. This is cool. All right, and one last question. Uh, who's cooler, Tim or Tom? Tom, 100%. Oh, yes! Oh, man. One, one. There I you think, go. you know what, maybe, <laughs> oh, you know what, I wasn't recording. I, uh, you know, <laughs> just didn't work out. Hey, Sharkbait, well, uh, yeah. My sister's cat, my sister's cat, Thomas, just walked in the room when you asked that, so I had to go with that. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. All right, we'll talk, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do, go beat you up? It's not like I can do that. I'm jumpable. Right, that's true. If I come, if I get you from behind and I have a weapon, I might be able to like escape out of there before you realize what happened. Hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, gosh, go get us a win out there. Right on, farewell. So, all right, Tom, that was uh, your old pal. Yeah, as I mentioned, lived with the guy for three years. One of my closest friends. Uh, I'm gonna be a nervous wreck. I always, I always look forward to, but then also uh, drive myself crazy when my friends fight. Uh, this one's a little bit different because he took it on sh such short notice that I didn't have the time to be like, okay, let me watch the tape too. Cause obviously I don't know my ass from my elbow when I'm watching this right. stuff, but you know, I've watched fights for long enough to where I know basic things, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Uh, and I have no control over the outcome, but I just feel like if I'm prepared, I can like know what's going to happen. And, and this one's a little different. Cause like I mentioned, you took the fight on 10 days notice. Mm -hmm. Uh, but well, but you that, do know, you do know, um, enough to know what the strategies are, what any given fighter with their strengths versus the, you know, the opponent's weaknesses should be attempting to do. And you know, a lot of these gentlemen around here personally, so you know what their plans are and what their strategy thoughts are coming in. So you kind of know, here's what they're attempting to do versus here's what the results wind up. And that's a emotional roller coaster between that. Cause you've got a lot of missed them. Of course. But you know, when a, when a guy like shark bait or a guy like Tim Elliott or James Krause, any of those top level guys in the area take a fight and they sound as confident as shark bait did during that interview, you know, there's something to also take with that too. So, right. uh, it's going to be exciting. He always puts on a very fun fight. Uh, never, never a boring decision that he puts on. It's always work, 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 highlight reel, highlight reel. He has head kicks. He has triangle chokes. He's got it all. So he's a very entertaining fighter to watch. If you're interested in the fights again, that is December 2nd, uh, Kansas city fighting Alliance, independence, Missouri, Truman Memorial building mm -hmm. and check out his pro wrestling skills. It's nwleague.com. They put on shows in the area in Overland park in Kansas city and all the, 
town surrounding even throughout the time. Check them out. They're on TV on 38th Spot. You won't miss it. Uh, and he's fun. And we're going to take a break. We are going to come back, Tom, and uh, talk about what's coming up over through, through the week, the weekend. Got some great bands to tell you about. And uh, then we're going to talk about our favorite things of the week. Oh, yeah. It is going to be oh so much fun. All right. So we'll do that after we come back from the break for more Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the Black Panther is the richest superhero out of all the Marvel and DC characters with an estimated value of $500 billion. Uh, it's a virus that eats away your motors. You get infected, it grows, you can't control it. Running rampant through ecosystem, have ego damage. Zombified a mind your planet, that battle hard to manage. Tim and Tom. Hey, Tom. Did I, tell hey. you, did I tell you we have an Amazon affiliate link on our website now? Uh, No, that's yeah, cool. It is. So what that means is listeners who are listening to us right now, right now as we're talking about this, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this, they're hearing it right now at least. They can go to our website, timandtomkc.com. Amazon, the link is written right there at the top of the page. It says Amazon. So all you got to do is click that. They'll get to go to Amazon. They'll buy whatever they're going to buy at the same price. We're going to get a little action. They're going to give us a little kickback from it. Amazon is. Yeah, this is a really cool feature, guys, because uh, what I like about it the most is you're not charged anything extra. So if you buy an item off of Amazon, for example, that is $10, you're still paying $10. You're not paying 11 or 12 mm-hmm. But the difference is that a little bit of the kickback, as Tim mentioned, comes to us. So instead of that money going to Jeff Bezos and a billionaire, ah, he doesn't need another private jet, but you know what? We need a couple of dollars to run yep. the site to, you know, pay for some things that we've got going on with uh, Tim and Tom Casey. And so uh, it's a great way to help us out. Every little yep. bit counts and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah. You, you don't have to enter any code, no discount codes. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just go to Tim and Tom You click Amazon. You can even book that as your Amazon link. It'll work every time. Then from then on, as long as you use that link. So, do that and help us out. Tim and Tom. We're going to keep talking about them things, girl. Uh, 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 Vince. Uh, 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 Vince. I don't know you like if that? you should ever. No, I didn't. I don't know that you should ever. You didn't like that? That I was a remix it of was an original that just I wrote. Just because it was a remix doesn't make it good, especially if, uh, you're, uh, if the uh, bass uh, original. Vince. Uh, 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 events yeah see i think that's good yeah i'm glad you think that i think that has some legs there tim that makes one of us all right so tom what do we have coming up through the next 10 or so days i don't know right we got a whole couple weekends and some days squeezed in between there we got some things here and there and fun uh events to attend within the great city of kansas city and as we mentioned uh our guest anthony shark guitarist he's going to be fighting uh at the kansas city fighting alliance in independence missouri uh the truman memorial building up on the square uh check him out if you want to see them fist and beat a flying he will be the co-main event uh got some other amazing fights alongside of his fight but here's some more events for you so here we go. You ready? All right. I'm ready. All right. December 2nd, the Westport Santa Dash. Mm-hmm. This is going to be Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, it's going to be at 4050 Pennsylvania Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, here's the details. Join over a thousand Santas along a five 
5K course in Westport. Take advantage of this opportunity to become every child's favorite man as each participant receives a Santa suit. We will literally be filling the streets with holiday spirit. All participants in the Santa Dash receive their own Santa suit or shirt, bib, and finisher's (laughs) ornament. Man, so if you need a Santa suit, just go out and run for it. There you go. Run three miles for it. So as soon as the last 5K participant crosses the finish line, the Elf Dash begins. The Elf Dash is for kids 12 and under (laughs) and will not be timed. It costs $12 to participate, $15 on race day. All elves will receive an elf shirt, finisher award, and all of those same holiday treats given to the Santa. So there you go. Run. You get a Santa suit. Bring your kid. They get an elf suit. And you get some fun in Westport. How much great time is that? And that'll always be a fun story. You get to have that suit. You'll you probably wear that a year or two. You know, the you can wear the Santa suit forever. Your child will probably outgrow the elf thing. But, uh, you know, like you, you've always got that fun thing that you did. You've got a suit. You got a Santa suit. You can tell people, this isn't just any Santa suit. Here's where I got this Santa suit. It is right? amazing. That is a great opportunity. Again, that is December 2nd. The Westport Santa Dash, 4050 Pennsylvania Avenue, 10 a.m. to noon. All right, so let's get into the next event. All Another right. great family-friendly fa- event because, you know, we like the families here, at least uh, one side, Tim. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, on December 2nd and December 3rd, we have the Great Casey Pet Expo. Uh, this is going to be at 11730 North Ambassador Drive, Kansas City, Missouri, the KCI Expo Center. Yeah. Uh, here's some fun details on this. Saturday, December 2nd, it's going to run from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Sunday, December 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Great Casey Pet Expo welcomes anyone who loves animals and pets, whether you're a current pet owner or just thinking about bringing a pet companion animal home into your house. The Great Casey Pet Expo is for you. It's a great event for family entertainment, including free contests and the largest pet related trade show in the state. It's a must for your holiday shopping list. All pets are welcome. This sounds like a fun event. Uh, Side note. The Expo Center. When was the last time you went to something at the Expo Center? It's been a while for me, huh? I think I went as a kid to a house show for a Gosh, WWE. Yeah, event. it used to be the the place, man, to go catch a, a show, man. The Expo yeah, Center. like that in the Kemper Arena. But oh, now, man. Expo Center, hey, yeah. A lot of WWE events at the Expo Center, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But, hey, this but is yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah, so the KC Pet Expo, again, Saturday, December 2nd, 10 to 6, Sunday, December 3rd, 10 to 4, uh, at the KCI Expo Center. All right, now let's get into some fun music. All right, uh-huh, ready for yeah. this? Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Saturday, December 2nd, the king of Kansas City rap, the legend. Uh-huh. Oh. We have a little bit of the edited version there in case any young ears are, are listening. Right, of course. Yeah. So we have the legendary Kansas City legend Tech Nine at the Granada. So Ooh, uh, that yeah. is going to be oh, that'll be very, fun. Very fun event. Uh, tickets are available on Ticketmaster.com. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Obviously he puts on an amazing show. He reps his city wherever he goes. He is the king Mm -hmm. of Kansas city music. In my opinion, I've been doing it for years upon years and, uh, keeps on putting out that great old rap music. Right. Uh, 
man, and the Granada is a fun, intimate place to catch a show too. It's not, you know, it's not a big concert venue, so it, it's kind of a different experience uh, if you're not used to seeing uh, Tech Nine or any artist in a venue like that. That's a fun one. Yeah, it is really cool. I do like that venue a lot for music. So that is going to be December second, the Granada. Now, December 3rd, we got some more great music, a little bit different style for you. We have one of the best alternative bands coming to the Arvis Bank Theater at the Midland, and it is Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, you've likely heard that song on the... Some of the local uh, alternative radio oh, stations, and, or something. Yeah, and it's been it's been used in radio commercials and TV shows. Uh, it's not their newest song. They do have some new great music. I definitely uh, encourage you to check that out. But they will be here again. That is December third. Hembry is going to be the opening act. If you've uh, yeah. ever checked out Hembry, they put out some great music. So it's going to be Phoenix and Hembry, December third, at uh, the Arbus Bank Theater at the Midland. All right. Now let's move ahead just a little yeah. bit to the following weekend. Sure. And now this is a staple in the holiday uh, music experience. December 9th, Hallmark Channel presents the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Then it feels like Christmas once you start hearing this. You ain't lying. So that is going to be Saturday, December 9th at 8 p.m. at the Sprint Center. If you do not know the address of the Sprint Center, here it is. 1407 Grand Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. Again, that is the Hallmark Channel presenting the iconic Trans-Siberian Orchestra 2017. This is going to be incredible. Tom's favorite. Did you see uh, – it's sports-related because I love sports. Did you see the press conference of Tom Savage, the Houston Texans quarterback? Oh, no. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Or he went in and was like, we're good, and then bounced out. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. greatest sports press conference of all time lasted a total of seven seconds. It was one reporter. He went in before the reporters were able to gather – so he didn't have to answer any questions after throwing a interception that cost the Texans the game. Mm. He said, and I quote, we oh, good? He did that too, huh? He and then too, left. Yeah. yeah, that was so fun. I like, yeah, he just looked right at him and said, we're good? Cool. And then just, <laughs> just turned in and walked out. Hey, why not, man? Let's get out of here. Yeah, Let's run. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Tom Savage uh, giving you your sports hot take of All the right. week. Tim's favorite. You're the Post Malone? I love Post Malone. Post yeah. Malone. So I've been uh, now. I'd heard of him and kind of knew what Post Malone was, but had never really listened to Post Malone. And uh, through something else, found him on the YouTube, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I've never really listened." And I think all day at work while I was doing work, I was just probably killing my eardrums, thumping some Post Malone. Super groove, uh, rap, hip hop. I don't even know what you would classify it necessarily as. Just rap, I guess. Uh, but super Fun. smooth. Yeah, just. And he's good. You know, really good. 
He's fun. If you like him and want to get to know him a little bit better, I implore you to check out on YouTube uh, Hot Ones. It is a show with hot questions and even hotter wings. And he did the 10 wing challenge where he went from Sriracha to Mega Death Drop or whatever it's called. And he answers questions and you get to know him. And he is a very fascinating person. Who oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I, so I haven't seen that interview, but I watched a video that was just called the uh, uh, Evolution of Post Malone. And it just showed like 2010 when he was just like a teenager. And he had a little one of those toy keyboard things that you could like play a loop on. And he like made probably the most impressive thing you could make out of that. Right. And then it just showed a little by little, like, you know what I mean? How he kind of basically taught himself music and taught himself fruity loops. And then it showed like here, 2000, this video was made in 16, I think six years later. And it was turning, you know, into this, uh, just, uh, he was also voted most likely to become famous by his high school class uh, he is boy. he, he is sure famous. did yeah uh so super fun so check out post malone how i got to post malone though tom yeah let's hear about it i'm riding in the car with my daughter and she somehow gained control of the radio dial smart girl and a song by an artist that i have not heard of until this moment came on <clears throat> this gentleman's name is lil pump and his song is called Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang. Yeah, I know yeah, that song. Yeah, okay. He's a SoundCloud rapper. Now, it, admittedly, this was on the radio, so it was a clean version. Okay? So it was, you know, this one here. Uh, let me Gucci fast gang, forward a little Gucci bit. Gang, Gucci Gang. Spread their rats on new chain. Yeah. My blood do. Ooh. I f***. I forgot name. Yeah. I can't bob in the way to rain. Ooh. Rather go hey. and bob all man. Right. Hey. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. This is the part I want to highlight. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Spent the race on new chain. Oh, maybe it's not. So the majority of the song is that him saying Gucci gang, Gucci gang. So I was like, and then throwing some other lines there, but I was like, he's not saying anything, right? I was like, yes, he's saying things, but he's not. There's nothing of merit here. There's no substance. There's nothing. And my daughter, I could tell my daughter was like, you're right, and trying to blow it off, but I could tell I was like, she likes this. You know what I mean? I was like, I could tell, right? I was like, she likes it. She just doesn't want to admit in front of me because I made a deal about it, right? And so I was like, all right, well, maybe I'm missing something. Right? It's a clean version, right? It's a clean version. I'll go listen to the non-clean version. And, okay, a little bit better when it's the non-clean version. I'm impressed with the music. Whoever's producing the the music, you know, really great. Really amazing. Yeah, but uh, words aren't important in music. It hasn't no. been forever. Oh man, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I know. Nothing. Yeah, and I get it. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm the old guy, right? I don't don't get it, but I I could definitely appreciate. But that's how next to it was, you know, in the up next videos on YouTube was Post Malone. That's how I found that. But yeah, Little Pump, I was like, oof, man, that's. I don't know. I you know maybe it's just not my thing, I guess. But the music's great. I'll give it that. I loved the beat and the and the sounds. Yeah, as far as uh, lyrically, if you're into lyrics and want to like feel the emotion and be connected yeah, to a song, that's not right. for you. But if you like uh, m- words that aren't meaningful, and that's been forever. Like I said, scat, red hot chili peppers. I mean, these are yeah. acts. I could go on forever. <laughs> but that, 
They just say things. It's not anything. I mean, how many times have you listened to a Red Hot Chili Peppers song and you're like, that didn't make any sense. You didn't say anything. Oh, so many times. Oh, it's deep. It's So yeah, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Say all of it, you know? I don't care. And it fits. I mean, it fits. Like, it it doesn't sound like uh, he just didn't take the time to come up with more words. I mean, it fits the style of that music and everything. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. It's not even when, okay, you take the clean edit out and you can actually hear what he's saying and you don't have sensitive ears and you, and you get it and you understand the references. Uh, but I'm still like, he's still not saying anything. <laughs> like, yeah, he's saying a bunch of stuff, but he ain't saying nothing. Tim and Tom. Let's end it, though, on full circle. Let's go yeah. back to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, let's end yeah. it on that, because yeah. that's some good old Christmas stuff. Boy, oh, yeah. Oh, so you want me to, like, let's trail it out with that, the trans Yeah, let's That was so good. It was like the real thing. <laughs> oh, man, I think that was, we might want to uh, audition. Uh, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I didn't tell you this. I auditioned. I auditioned. I I did my own beatbox, like I just did did for you there. They said, "Hey, gentlemen, pretty good." And then all of a sudden, I'm in handcuffs and I'm getting escorted out of the building. I don't know. I think I was too good, but yeah, I tried out. He said I went uh, up there and I just. I think that was fine. I think it was the shirtless interpretive dance that did you in. But maybe you try again this year. Yeah, when you feel the music, you feel the music. I mean, yeah. Who who is to say what is and is not art? All right, so catch out some of those uh, events. Catch them out. Catch catch some of those events while you're out. Hit us up at Tim and Tom Casey on the Twit Facegram. All of those things. Tim and Tom com, and we will be back uh, next week for more Tim and Tom. Fun fact: one out of every twenty-one New Yorkers is a millionaire. Tim and Tom.